therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. I use this scripture a lot in the ministry that I work in. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. It's amazing because I have to uh, speak in Spanish all the time, and I'm sorry if some Spanish words come out because I have not preached in English in about a year. So the ne- in this scripture in Spanish, it says, put all of your hope in undeserved salvation. Is that not amazing? That's the translation in Spanish. It says, put your hope in the undeserved salvation. It's saying that the work on the cross was enough. That's enough for us to put every aspect, every ounce of our hope. And it will be revealed to you. It will be revealed to you at the coming of Christ. I love it that we all want to be more like Jesus. And wherever Jesus went, people felt the presence of hope. Do you think people feel the presence of hope wherever you go? I was thinking about that. I thought, wow, I was so honored that if just that one person in that horrible moment when he's burying his daughter, when he has so many questions, what are they going to do with their grandbaby? What about her future? How is this going to work out? We don't understand. I hope that in all of those moments of questioning that he can remember that yes. Yes, he's real. Yes, he's real. Yes, we don't understand it, but he's real, and he will always be real. And I thought, if it was just for that one, because a lot of times missions is about the one. You know, when I hear stories of missionaries like Amy Carmichael that Sister Pam just shared about, I think, wow, I'm not a missionary. (laughs) I have internet I have electricity. I can contact my family whenever I want. And the fervent prayer that these missionaries prayed is unbelievable, these pioneer missionaries. I can just weep reading their stories and hearing what God did in their lives. I've been thinking about that. You know, God, what are the, what are the challenges that we face? And there was a missionary that shared a story, this young girl, and she told me that her first trip that she ever went on was to Haiti. And when she got off the airplane, you could already see the poverty, you know, just walking into the cities there. And she just, that's where God began to break her heart for missions, is seeing all this poverty, all this brokenness, people living in the streets, living in these garbage landfills. And then God called her to Europe. You know, Europe is a godless nation right now. So godless, needs the gospel. And when she got to Europe, she thought, they don't need any help here. They have everything they need. They've got food. They've got shelter. They've got water. They have clothing. They have, why am I even here, God? Why would you call me to a place like this? I think about America. We have everything we could ever need here. There are still people suffering, but we have so much. And God really began to speak to me about that because sometimes I'll feel convicted and say, God, maybe, maybe I, have, I have too much. I need to give more. I need to go somewhere else. And it's possible that God may call me to go back to that bridge, <laughs> to the other side of that bridge. But, you know, we are facing a challenge today with, with the gospel. And people have too much to hear. They have too much to eat. And so there's no room. There's no room to hear anything else. We have to take off these layers and help them hear the gospel. And it's hard. 
and it's warfare. And that's what we're facing in America. We have technology. We have media. We have all these things. And it says in the word of God that Satan is the prince of the air. The airwaves, literally the airwaves that our youth and, and children are, are hearing, Satan is, is taking control of that. And so we have such a challenge. And if we think that we don't need to pray for that basket of food to come by, we need to pray. That is the one thing that is constant anywhere that we go around the world. Any place that we are reaching the nations, prayer does not change. It is warfare. It is spiritual warfare. And so if you are here and you say, how can I be a part of missions this month? You can pray. You can pray. You can fervently pray. You can say, God, for the godless nations, for Ecuador, for those that have, for those that don't have, let them hear. Let their hunger, because they're so full. Think about that. I know other missionaries that landed in places, the pioneer stories, I've read them all. And there were places that people went, and they were trying to present the gospel, and people were so hungry. They said, but feed us. Feed our bellies so we can hear you. Well, imagine now it's the other way around because people are so full. They're so content with what they have. They're so blinded to what they don't have. And that is where prayer is so necessary to remove the scales from their eyes, to allow them to hear when they can, when they have so many things going on up here. That is spiritual warfare, and we need your prayer more than ever before as missionaries. Our hope, we know it's Jesus. We know it's his word. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. That is scripture. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We know that hope means that God is for us. I love Isaiah 40, and I know all of you have heard the scripture. Those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There's something right now that I'm teaching in Ecuador called untying the knots of the heart. And if I were to ask you, what makes the heart sick? There's a scripture that says hope deferred makes the heart sick in Proverbs 13. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, when I ask this question, I say, what, what would make your heart sick? People will say things like bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. And then I'll ask the question, well, why do you have bitterness? Bitterness is a result of something that made your heart sick. Resentment is the same. Unforgiveness is the same. Fear, worry, all those things that can make us sick, they have a root. And so we're working with people in a process right now of getting to that knot of their heart and saying, how do we untie that knot? How do we go back? And there's something that keeps coming up, and it's hope. So many people are without hope. They don't understand it. They don't really understand hope. It's become, it's become more of something we say. It's become more of a, a thought, wishful thinking. But it's not a fervent promise, and that's what hope is. That's, we, have mis, we are confused by hope. The hope says that our past does not and will not limit our future. Think about that. A lot of times, we are so consumed with our past. This is such simple stuff that I'm sharing with you this moment, but I believe that hope is something that we 
hope, real, true God hope. Hope says that the love of God has enough power to awaken our deepest potential. If you really understood the hope of God, the hope that we have in him, maybe it would awaken your deepest potential. When I um, went to Bible college, I was not really doing that great. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my first year I was in my prayer closet repenting for all the things that I shouldn't be doing instead of really, really seeking God that first year. It was, it was just a process of like cleaning and getting everything out and, and understanding where God was taking me. And throughout that process, the one thing that I could not grasp was hope. I didn't think there was hope. My dad had just passed away. I knew that I had been called to this school and that there was a possibility that I could maybe graduate, but I had so many things. I didn't, I didn't have confidence. I was so insecure. And there was, no, there was no hope. There was no hope. There was this idea that I'm just going to go to school, I'm going to graduate, and maybe, maybe, if it all works out, everything will be okay. How many of you live on the maybes? Aren't we tired of that? Maybe, maybe, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. It'll be okay, possible. I want a hope that's an anchor for my soul that says it doesn't matter what is happening around me. It doesn't matter if this is falling apart. There is a hope that is an anchor for my soul. And I will not allow my heart to be sick. Do you know that hope deferred, that's what the word says here, it makes our heart sick. I love this too. In Psalms 147, 11, it says, The Lord's delight it is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. This is another thing that I always teach in Ecuador. The word of God talks about, I put my trust in you. Here the scripture says, those that put their hope in you. It doesn't say just those that hope in you. Those that put their hope in you. It's something we have to decide to do. Hope is a decision. It's not a feeling. We get so confused by that. We think, oh, I'll just hope this happens and I'll feel good if it does. No, it is a decision. It is, it is faith. It is saying, no matter what, I decide to put my hope in you because my hope is greater. My promise is greater. This is probably one of my all-time favorite scriptures. In Romans 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, in suffering, knowing that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. So this shows us that hope is a process, isn't it? That it can be a process. That once we pass through whatever suffering that we're going through, that once we persevere through that, that God is shaping our character and the end is hope. There is hope through those processes. And hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts 
by the Holy Spirit who has given it to us, who was given to us. There was a girl in Ecuador who's a really dear friend of mine. And every time she would come over to my house, she would say, oh, I really love your comforter on my bed. And I always would think, me too. <laughs> it's a really beautiful comforter. My grandmother bought me this comforter from Pottery Barn. How many of you know that that's a pretty nice comforter? And so every time she would come, she would say, you just have the most beautiful, beautiful comforter. And I would say, oh, I know. I just love it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, then one day she comes over and she says, can I just lay on your bed? Because I just want to feel your comforter. And I thought, you know what? You can have that comforter. And I did not want to give that to her. Let me just tell you. It was so beautiful. I remember when I picked it out in the magazine, sent it to my grandmother and thought, this is a dream to have this Pottery Barn comforter in my house in Ecuador. It will just make everything feel right at home. And all those hard moments when I'm sick, when I get another parasite, I'm going to lay in this amazing comforter and everything is going to be okay. And this girl just loved it so much. And in Ecuador, I have learned not to compliment anyone. I know that sounds terrible, but they are the sweetest people. If you say, oh, I love your necklace, they'll just give it off and they'll just take it and they'll just give it to you. And so I have to always be like, don't say anything. Your words of affirmation, you're going to give some encouragement, but they're just going to give that to you. So don't do it. <laughs> and so this one day, she just says it again and again and again. And I say, you know what? I've been thinking about getting a new comforter. Why don't you, why don't you just have that one? And she just starts crying. I mean, she's so excited about this comforter. And not long after that, she went through a really, really, really difficult time. I won't go into all the details, but she went into a really, really difficult depression. And I remember having the opportunity to sit with her and share with her. And she's just so lost. And this is a woman of God that has the Holy Spirit that is, that is saved, that should have this hope that doesn't disappoint and she's sitting there, and she's just weeping. And I say, you know what? I said, it's the Holy Spirit's like that comforter that you have. So many times we think, Holy Spirit, he's fire. He's just speaking in tongues. He's all of those things. We are Pentecostal. That baby that was up here is Pentecostal. We want fire. We want the Holy Spirit and fire and power. But the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our hope. And I told her, I said, the Holy Spirit, it's like wrapping up in the coziest, most comfortable bed you've ever slept in. And, and when you don't know what else to do, you just rest. You rest and you allow the Spirit of God to comfort you. And I was so thankful that I was able to just give her a materialistic thing that spoke to her heart so much. And now every time I see her, she says, I'm so comforted by the Holy Spirit. He just comforts me. He loves me. And, and isn't that what we want? And I thought about that man standing beside the grave luring his daughter. And that question and that doubt that came to his mind. And I thought, the Holy Spirit, he is our hope. Yes, God is real. But he sent someone greater to comfort us. Someone that can, this power that is greater than we could ever imagine. And it is our comfort and our hope. The Holy Spirit is our hope. Hope is intimate. It's intimate. And you say, well, how is it intimate? Because hope is in eternity. That's where our hope is found. And the way that we find true, everlasting, eternal hope 
is by intimacy with Jesus. I want to read another scripture in Romans 8.24, and it says, We were given this hope when we were saved. At the very moment that you accept Christ into your heart, you were given hope. It's a gift. But if we look forward to something we don't have, we must wait for it patiently. So hope may be something you don't have yet, but you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it patiently. But it's not wishful thinking. You know, you know that it's going to happen. That is our hope. And the Holy Spirit helps us in weakness. When we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads. He pleads for us believers in accordance to God's will. Imagine that. That is our hope. It's intimate. The Holy Spirit, that comforter, is in heaven. He's here. Jesus is interceding for us. He has the words that we can't express. I can't imagine life without the Holy Spirit. In those moments when you walk through the most terrible thing that you've ever walked through, what do you need? You need words, something you can't express. You're looking for those answers. You're saying, God, what is it? Why? Why did this happen? Can anyone say with me that they've asked that question multiple times to God? But if you have hope, we don't need to question it. We don't even need to ask God why. We know that our hope is found in him alone. I don't want to take much time, but we all know the story of Job. And this story has been on my heart because I thought of those wonderful, not wonderful, terrible friends of his in this story. That when he's walking through the most difficult, horrible, I can never say I've experienced anything like Job. Lost his whole family, his children. He has his wife, but he lost his children. And I'm going to read a little bit here. It says that Job was a blameless man in Job 1 of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. So that lets us know who Job is. We know that he's a blameless man, full of integrity, a man that stayed away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters, and he loses them all. I'm not going to tell at all, but we know that he was a good man. He lost his belongings. He lost his health. He lost his children. He even lost his will to live. He had questions, but he never doubted who God is. He never doubted. It's so funny because these friends, they have just the best advice, don't they? And if you don't know the story, please go back and read the story of Job. It's amazing. But in Job 8, the first chapter, or in the first time that we hear one of his friends sharing with him, he says, how long are you going to go on like this, Job? You sound like a blustering wind. Now imagine in that moment with that dad if I would have said something like that to him. Hey, how how long are you going to go on like this? Can you imagine that? Would you just not want to punch that friend right in the face? I know that's probably not something pastors say, but how long will you go on like this? And then he says, your children must have sinned against God. So their punishment was well-deserved. I'm sorry all ten of your children died. They deserved it. What a friend he is, right? Then we go to the next friend in chapter 11. 
And he says, well, if you just would devote your heart to him, (laughs) maybe you just need to give your heart to the Lord. Put away that sin that's in your hand. Now, this is truth. We do need to devote our hearts to the Lord. And if there's sin in our lives, it's very hard. God's not going to bless the sin in our lives. But we already know that Job was a blameless man. And so this is someone saying, if you just get rid of that sin in your home and in your life. And then the other one, in Job 22, he says, if you turn to the Almighty, again, if you just turn back to God, you will be restored. Cleanse your life. We need to do those things. We need to repent and turn back to the Lord. But he says, renounce your greed for money and gold. So he's just assuming. First friend says, hey, your children, they were sinners and they deserved it. The second friend says, you need to get your life and your home in order. You're out of order. You're sin in your life. And then the third friend, he has the answers. And he says, get that money greed out of your heart and everything will go back to order. What great friends. Do you have friends like that? (laughs) Wow, that would be really, really hard to hear. But you know what is so incredible about Job? This shows the kind of man that he was. The word of God says in Job 42 that after he prayed for his friends, he prayed for these people that said these things to him. After he prayed for them, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Can you imagine that? That would take some hope, wouldn't it? And the reason I say hope, because his hope was in the Lord. Despite all of the things that he had gone through, losing all of his children, his will to live, his health, his belongings, his hope was found in the Lord. And he had questions. He did. And he was waiting for this audience with God. And he wanted answers from the Almighty. It was like, God, what is this? And then I love what God does. He doesn't answer Job directly. We always want this direct answer, don't we? He starts talking to Job about creation. Look around you. Look at this creation. Look at all the good. Look at me. He was saying, look at me, is what he was saying. And that's what happens when we walk through these situations. We have all the questions. But I pray that we never question who God is or his existence. Because that answer is always, yes, he's here, he's real, he exists. Don't allow hope deferred to make your heart sick. Don't allow the enemy to put knots in your heart that years later you're going to be untwisting. You don't want that. Don't allow that hope deferred to come into your heart. So Job, he may remain a little in the dark about why humans go through suffering. But we don't have to remain in the dark about where our hope comes from. And so this morning, I know that there are mysteries here. When I think about the nations and missions and this emphasis that you'll be having all month long on missions, there's so much darkness around the world, but there is always hope. So many people walk into our ministry and we cannot give them what they need. Maybe we don't have the resources. Right now in Ecuador, there are so many Venezuelan refugees coming in every single day. There are hundreds living in the streets. 
the crime rate is actually going up because there's just desperation going all throughout the city. And it's so hard because people come in and they'll have four and five children. And I want to take every single one of them. And we're working towards programs and projects to help these refugees right now. We're opening a cafe. We want to provide jobs. We want to help them and do specific things. But sometimes silver and gold I do not have. But what I have I give to you. And that is hope. That is hope. That is our hope of Jesus. And so as you begin to pray over this next month for the nations, for Ecuador, for missionaries, for your own life, ask yourself, where do I put my hope? Do I go seeking the Internet for all those answers? When I'm sick, is it Dr. Google? (laughs) I do that. (laughs) What parasite do I have this week? (laughs) What essential oil do I need? But the real answer is found in Jesus. And this has been such a challenge to me. I know that it's so simple. I know that we've heard the word hope, but we have misconstrued where we put our hope and how we use it. And hope is found in Jesus. It is intimate. We find it when we are intimate with the Lord. I found this quote in a devotional from A.W. Tozer. Earth is bearable because there's hope. This is not the be-all, end-all. Hope, hell, is unendurable because hope does not exist. Earth is bearable because there is hope. Hell is unendurable because hope does not exist. And heaven is eternal because it is there where beautiful, radiant hope is fulfilled. Heaven is where our hope is fulfilled. And so if you are looking to any other place other than heaven for your hope, other than to Jesus, other than to your comforter, the Holy Spirit, then can I say that maybe hope deferred has made your heart sick. Maybe there are things that we need to align this morning in our hearts and say, God, Where is my hope? Where has my emotional hope been for so long? And where do I put my hope as a decision despite my emotions? It's not easy, but it's possible. And so the first thing in understanding impossible hope is knowing that it is not impossible. If you would just stand with me this morning, and we're just going to take a minute And just allow God to seal that into our hearts this morning. And I think the greatest thing that I can leave you with in this month of missions is to challenge you and to ask you to bring hope wherever you go. Wherever Jesus went, they felt the presence of hope. If there's someone that could maybe play for just a moment, we're going to end in just a couple of minutes. But I'd love to pray with you this morning. And if there are people here that say, I need hope, I've lost it. I'm walking through a situation right now, and I don't know where my hope is found. Can I pray with you this morning? Or maybe there's someone here that says, I want to be a bearer of hope, and I want to help share genuine and certain hope with other people. Maybe that's you this morning.
So I ask you to close your eyes this morning, and I just want to first, and I will do this anywhere I go, as long as God gives me the opportunity to share the gospel. Hope enters our life when we accept Jesus. When we say, Jesus, I believe you are my hope. And so maybe there's someone here this morning that would say, first of all, I I don't have hope because I don't have Jesus. And you would like to make that dedication this morning and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Where you are right now, if you would just lift your hand and say, I need to make that dedication to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, my heart's sick. I have so many questions, so many doubts. Maybe you think God is punishing you and your friends or your thoughts. When I think about Job's friends, I think about my own thoughts. 